Hey, food friends, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast, your number one spot to get mentoring, guidance, and behind the scene learnings to help you understand what it really takes to launch, grow, and scale your packaged food or beverage business. On the show, you'll hear from food founders at various stages of growth, and you'll hear from me and my 14 years of packaged food and beverage experience. Each episode is packed with insights, inspiration, and learning to help you on your food business journey. I'm your host, Ainsley, and this is the Food Founders Podcast. Before we jump into today's show, I want to thank our sponsor, the Food Brands That Sell program. Food Brands That Sell is a six-week deep dive into the CPG industry and teaches you how to win within that industry by creating a brand that you, retailers, and consumers love. Here's what a recent alumni had to say about the program. I am so grateful that I chose to do Food Brands That Sell. I learned so much about myself, my journey, and my company. These six weeks changed how I'm doing my business, and I can see the difference already. I no longer feel alone. If you aren't already on the waitlist, hop on over to foodbrandsthatsellwaitlist.com or grab the link below to make sure that you are first to know when the program is accepting new students. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. Today, I am super excited to be connecting with fellow Canadian and fellow coffee lover, Ben Gingrich of Coastal Coffee. Ben, welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. Thank you for having me. Hello, everyone. Excited to have you here. I mean, we both love coffee. Clearly, uh, that's a thing going on. And Coastal Coffee is, you know, a local company doing great stuff in the coffee sphere. And you've had to pivot and change quite a bit in the last little bit. And you're doing some interesting things with, with your products. So for anyone who does not know Coastal Coffee, could you give us an overview of who Coastal Coffee is and who you guys are for? Sure. We are located in Ontario, Canada. <laughs> we are small batch specialty coffee roasters. We are along the shores of Lake Huron near Godrich, Ontario, and we've been in business for 10 years. We have primarily focused on roasting great coffee and supplying it into our local market. But in the last few years, we've been expanding outside of that, also across Ontario. So you've been in business for 10 years. Not a lot of food businesses can actually say that at all. You and I both know how tough the food industry can be. And especially, you know, in the Ontario market, and we can get into, you know, the Canadian piece as a whole, just how shipping and pieces like that can be expensive. But taking back to 10 years ago, what, what got you to start Coastal Coffee? And what got you to start this? Yeah. Yeah. So the inspiration came actually before that. I did my BA at the University of Victoria in BC. And that's where Bree, my wife and I met. And there was a lot of good coffee on the West Coast. And uh, when we came back to Ontario, I learned how to home roast. I had a provincial government job at the time. 
And I was just kind of moonlighting and having some fun roasting fresh coffee. And uh, it's been kind of spiraling and snowballing from there. So we, at the time, signed up for local farmer's market and through our fresh roasted coffee and our equipment into our hippie van. It was our camper van. And we took it down to a farmer's market 10 minutes down the road from us. And uh, people thought it was hilarious. They like half the conversations were about the hippie van and half were about the coffee itself. And so we learned that, you know, in Ontario, that these Volkswagen vans are, are more rare than on the West Coast and that people had an affinity with them and, and it had and a positive association in general. And so we ended up, it ended up becoming a part of our brand. And so we have a stylized kind of Volkswagen Westphalia. And, and then we decided to call it coastal coffee. Coastal is also a term that's not commonly used uh, in Ontario here because we have big lakes, but we don't have an ocean. Mm. And in BC, that, that term is used lots with the oceans. But when Brie first came and saw Lake Huron, she said, this is not like a lake at all, as she would know them to be in BC are small and you can see across them. She said, this is like an ocean. Mm. And uh, yeah, coastal coffee was born. Very cool. Very cool. So, okay. So you guys were home roasting and were you living from the camper van roasting in there and selling it? We were living along the water and um, I had an, I put an outbuilding on our personal property Mm -hmm. and bought a commercial roasting machine, put it in uh, the outbuilding and we were blowing smoke and providing fresh coffee to our neighbors. And, and the farmer's market is a really incredible grassroots way of a food brand being able to try things. And the best part about it was at the end of the market, you had money. Mm-hmm. So you could then, and you had consumer feedback about your product. You could explain it to them. You could do anything you want. In our case, we're playing with roasting coffees and different coffees. And we would just explain what why we did it this way. Usually just because we liked it like that. And um, if, the, if the people liked it, then they would buy some and come back and buy more. And if, if not, then we would have invaluable feedback about our product and cash flow. You, at the end of the market, you have cash. So you can go and buy some more supplies and feel encouraged or discouraged about how sales are going. It's very imminent. And that, mm. that's really, really helpful. And then we kind of expanded from there. We purchased some commercial buildings, renovated them. And moved our roastery in there. Uh, my wife Bree had a salon business also at the time, so she expanded into a in a in a commercial space. And we were there for a number of years. And then two and a half years ago, we purchased another property. Very cool. You guys are like the entrepreneurial like dream. You guys have been really both pushing on the different businesses and doing it in a way that makes sense for you. Um, And you and I have talked about this a little bit in terms of, I don't know if balance is the right word, but work-life integration, let's say. Can you talk to me a little bit about your thoughts on just running a business and how to keep things balanced, if you will, and what that looks like for you? Yeah, for sure. So in the early days, it was really important that we were diversified in our income because starting something new takes uh, money, just actually time and money. Mm-hmm. And uh, and if it's successful and you need to grow, you need to invest more money. And so there's a lot of years, there were a lot of years for us, let's speak about us, uh, where, where we uh, had to pull from our, our savings, our, our other businesses to be able to, to get it off the ground and keep up with the market demand. But we've always had this kind of intention of building the business as a lifestyle business. And it's actually become a a significant part of our brand 
And, and if you look at how, how we're articulating what uh, Coastal Coffee is about, I say our brand is actually an extension of us. Mm. And so we believe that it's important to have a life and to enjoy your life and to enjoy your work. I could have started many different businesses and I looked at lots of different things and I worked in different sectors also over the years. And I wanted to spend my time, work time, doing something that I was passionate about. And over the 10 years, I've become even more and more passionate about coffee. Right. That's so different than a lot of people, how they, not necessarily in entrepreneurship, but just in life, you know, some people have 10 years in a job, what they're doing, and they are sick of what they're doing in 10 years. Can't believe they're still doing Um, this. Yeah, I would say, I would add to it and say, uh, I say things like, be careful what you build, because when you get there, is that what you even wanted anyway? Mm-hmm. And sometimes we push and push and push and build in a direction. And then we get there and we're like, this is crazy. This is stressful. This is not the life I want. And if you've built it, there's a whole bunch of elements to that, which you can sometimes feel trapped in. And so we haven't, unlike a tech sector where you would build and, and, and with the, the end game is a, an acquisition, we want to be able to balance and add, add help, add staff, add systems so that it's not overwhelming and it is enjoyable. You know, I also say like, it's, it's either feast or famine. Like you have way too much work, you're overwhelmed or you're overwhelmed because there's not enough going on. And and then you you feel like that's a problem too. And you can't enjoy either of them. So what, what do you do? So you've been trying to build your business like that. How do you live? Like, I'm curious, like what is living for you? Are you an outdoor enthusiast? What does that look like? Yeah, so we have uh, three young kids and we've homeschooled most of the way through. Ironically, we transitioned them into French immersion the school year that COVID hit. Mm. And so we pulled them back out and just went back to the programs that we were familiar with. So we are accustomed as a family unit to being together a lot. Bree is retired from the salon business. And so she's focusing on uh, on gardening and doing uh, work at the property here and um, does some barista work when we're open for retail at the cafe. And is uh, does the schooling with the kids, so that um, is regular accountability, daily accountability. That my kids are right here, and if I have some time, we you know we could do something. I could spend some time with them. So sometimes that means they get jobs and they come and work alongside me. I, I grew up on an organic farm, a working organic farm, and my dad was always working, but he was always around. We come mm. home from school and on weekends uh, in the summer, he, he was findable, and we would just join alongside whatever is going on. We didn't actually call it work. We were just doing things. And some of the things we didn't really like to do. And some of the things were really fun. And so we're trying to instill in the next generation and in our children, like that is that is life. And some of this, you could technically be, you know, writing your hours down and getting paid from Coastal Coffee. And some of this is just what we have to do as a family to to uh, look after our animals and our gardens and our and our home. I love that. I think it's really important. You touched on a number of things there about building the business that you want and you know that that family unit piece. I think a lot of people start a business because they want to spend more time with their family and you you've done that and you've done it in a way that's allowed everyone to get great life lessons, spend time with each other and I mean fuel people in along the way with your great product. I would say we're working really hard to protect that. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's a it's a daily weekly balance because it's easy to get carried away being busy 
There's no shortage of things to do. Mm. It's learning how to make money. Yes. Yes. And so we often will just, if it's hot and it's middle of the afternoon and we got our work done, like we're out of here. We'll be floating in the lake. You can find us there. Amazing. Amazing. And that's, you know, that's a great way to be. There is no, I don't know, end destination in a lot of ways. We might have a vision where we want the company to be, but we can't forget to live in the moment throughout it all because it's that day-to-day piece that really matters. You know, the days build up and that's what creates the business that we want, the life that we want. Yes. And I think it's important to not take our health for granted. Mm. Um, You know, when people get diagnosed uh, with an illness, and then they suddenly want to try and do things and, and their quality of life is compromised. Yeah, we want to we live every day. You and I on the exact same frequency with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Talk to me about how you have had to pivot your business in the last little while from um, just with the impacts of COVID and where your business was potentially selling products before and kind of how you've pivoted throughout that. I know you've got some great new listings, but you're in a different place right now with the business than you know, where you were pre-COVID based on where you were selling. And can you just talk to me about that transition a little bit? Yeah, for sure. So pre-COVID, we were fairly heavy uh, into food service, supplying directly to uh, restaurants and cafes. I like that business because it gave us more volume and volume equal better purchasing power and efficiency for freight and things of raw product coming in, in our case, coffee beans, and then also for distribution. So the geography of Huron County, uh, everything's really spread out. And so when you load up a vehicle, I want to have as much value of product going out uh, when we do our run. But in the, uh, through, uh, when the pandemic hit uh, through the COVID world, we lost a lot of that business because that was impossible for those business owners. And so we were able to get grants, which is amazing. And we uh, sharpened up our online presence. And we actually had an online store before, but it wasn't very active. And so we did a new one. And then, and we also started focusing on selling more to traditional grocers. So we're in 50 plus Sobe stores uh, now, and that's work we've done over the last seven months. And, uh, and we're just formally uh, listed nationally with Metro. We also, so direct consumer and then B2B through you know, a different avenue. And then we had always done farmer's markets, but it was in the beginning of COVID, it was too complicated to uh, do our local market. So we actually decided to open for retail at our new location here. So two and a half years ago, we purchased an old church and we sold off our other properties and we did extensive renovations. We did like a natural renovation to the church property. Uh, it's a It was built in 1906. So it's a heritage building. It's a, some interesting stuff. It's on one acre in the countryside, along Lake Huron. So when we opened, we opened uh, on Saturday mornings for retail and for just four hours. And we welcomed the, the neighbors and anyone who was interested to come over and have a, have a good coffee and to meet us kind of thing. And that uh, turned out to be very successful. So that was kind of a, a dynamic higher margin sales for us, which has been tremendously helpful through this this difficult time. And then the last piece of our pivot is we've added coastal coffee roadside bean stand on the road at the front of our property. Have you ever seen a coffee bean stand? Absolutely not. But like that needs to be a thing. I love that you're making that a thing. 
<laughs> I have never seen one either. Uh, other places call them honesty boxes. Mm. Like when we were traveling around, say, on the Gulf Islands in BC, there would be little posts with the little birdhouse sized thing. And they would call it an honesty box and they would just put fresh eggs in. It. And so you can see when you're driving by if there's product in there for sale or not. And uh, you just leave your money there and it's honor system. So we have, there's some farm markets around us and they're, they're little and they're honor system. And we thought this would be a neat way to have product available for our customers whenever it's convenient for them, whenever they happen to be coming by or whenever they're in the area. And so we did that and it's been awesome. <laughs> I love that. Like it makes so much sense and you're right there. And you know, what I think is so great about that is it like, fuels everything else. You're constantly finding ways to get in front of people and to build those connections with them. And for you, it's like, okay, someone happens to drive by on a Thursday afternoon and they see that, well then, oh, maybe they'll come and come and actually have a coffee on Saturday. And then, oh, they're in their Sobeys or their Metro and they see you and then they buy you there. And it all really helps fuel each other. And you still have this connection to the community as you grow and yeah. continue to grow. Yes, it's all very complimentary. And it allowed us to put some signs out on the, the highways, because we're just a few kilometers off of the main highways mm -hmm. uh, on a paved road, but just far enough off that you could drive, you would drive by and never know we were here. And so that allowed us to say something is open. And then they come and they see, oh, they also have a cafe. We are in cottage country, the countryside, like uh, rural Ontario agriculture, but also close to Lake Huron. And we see a lot of tourism. Mm -hmm. And so they see, oh, there's a cafe that's open on Friday and Saturday. Let's come back then on Friday. And so we see them at the stand. We see them come then on Friday. And then we see them again on Saturday with their friends. Right. Amazing. And yeah. it's so fun. Yeah, no, that's great. I, I love that. It gets your, you know, your audience and where they are and like how to connect with them. Yeah, we've been working on that, getting yeah. better at that. Yeah. And talk to me about your recent launches into Sobeys and Metro. What was that process like and how did you how did you make that happen? Yeah, so we had been always selling at small independent retailers um, in Huron County primarily. Mm -hmm. I had always found that selling coffee and retail packages to be a, a fickle market. We don't have a, a large population base. And so seasonally, there's a lot more people around and product would move, but uh, in the off season, it would be slower. And so I, it never was uh, significant in sales for us collectively or gen generally speaking compared to food service. But uh, I had been able to sell to some independent food lands because uh, they were uh, owned locally. And I also had talked with uh, some Sobe stores that are in our communities. And Sobe's was not able to deal with us directly. I had to, we had to go through Central and to be formally listed. So it was actually about four years ago that we uh, did the paperwork and went to Barrie, which is a few hours from here, and had to pitch to the buying group for Sobe's. And they were gracious. You know, they really liked our compostable package, which we've had for a long time. High barrier compostable one-way valve with a resealable zipper. And they liked that we had traveled to the coffee farms. A lot of the coffees that we source were very proud of our portfolio of coffees and we're very proud of our processing methods. So both our quality of ingredients and our method, as chefs would, would talk about. And so we got formally listed, but uh, kind of like breweries getting into LCBO distribution here in Ontario, there's still a lot of sales work to do to go to each of the locations and win over the, the decision maker. And so that was slow. 
we then were able able to acquire sales, a part-time sales rep last fall. And that's been dynamic in getting us into more Sobeys locations. And what did that decision process look like with hiring someone to do your sales? Were you nervous? Were you like, we absolutely need to do this? I know this is a piece that a lot of people question for a little bit in terms of, you know, do I hand everything over to this person? Can they really do it? Is it going to pay off? What did that process look like for you? Yes, that's a big question. So often, yeah, small business owners would be very closed fist about certain elements of their business. And I'm pretty open-handed type. This person had our product at one of the restaurants that we supplied. And uh, she said it was excellent. And she approached the chef and asked, where did this coffee come from? And the chef we had been working with for a lot of years at a few different establishments. And so he was very proud to tell her about our story and our product. And he had been to our roastery and all that good stuff. And so she contacted us and said that she had worked in food sales for her entire career worked for some big companies, and then she decided to do her own independent company. And she reps multiple kind of newer or smaller food brands. And so it's a dynamic service that she can offer because there's efficiency there for both the food brand and her as a sales rep. You know, she can go into an establishment and rep a few different products. Uh, that's efficiency for her. And for us, I can't afford to have someone full-time. Those are big steps, stepping stones. You know, So we can't just start there. And, uh, and then and to acquire uh, someone who's good at what they do in terms of selling. How do I find them? We've been working in that uh, capacity uh, very successfully. So I can speak at it from what I know of what we've uh, done. And she can take it from there and then play the game to get to, to get the sales. Sounds like that's really worked out. And I love the fact that she like found you guys. You know what I mean? Like, first of all, that's exactly what you want from a salesperson. You know that she's hungry and not afraid to like ask the questions and find everything out. But also, you know, it's so important to have people that you work with that are on the same page as you and that are aligned with you and like see your vision and want to bring that to life and the efficiencies that can come with having people work on like multiple different brands all at once. There's definitely efficiencies to that and you benefit from that so much. Yes. And I love to hear and learn from apples to apples mm. companies. And so other food brands, they just happen to sell a different food product, how it's going, what the trending is, and and some of the methods for their success, because uh, that becomes very valuable to us. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So you've got great tasting coffee, fresh roasted. You also have a very interesting product that is very unique to the market that I would love for you to touch on a little bit. When you told me about this product originally, I was like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense and I need this in my life. (laughs) Um, So can you talk to everyone about the Traveler, how this product came to be? Yeah. So this year, beginning of this year, I did an entirely new business plan for this product called the Traveler. It is a eco-friendly, single-use coffee product. So it is technology from Japan. It's just new to North America and very new to Canada. And that's one of the kind of barriers that we're working through is that consumers simply just have no idea what this is like. Unless the ones who, who tell me they have, they are familiar with it, are, are ones who have traveled to Korea and Japan. They said, oh, yes, that's how we made our coffee there all the time. Those things are excellent. And I'm like, oh, wow, oh, this is wonderful to hear. So we came up with the name The Traveler. It's And, and that's you know very on brand for, for the Volkswagen Westphalia and for the coastal lifestyle and, and the tourism. And quite frankly, 
making a good coffee anywhere. It's not just for camping or hotels or for office coffee or for one cup warriors or for people who don't even drink coffee, but they have their Italian friends who come over for dinner and they have to make a good coffee for them. But it's for everyone and everything. Inside of each of the package is a, a papery pour over, paper pour over that you open up, you anchor it on a mug, and you it has the coffee already preloaded in it. So you pour hot water over the coffee, just like you would any other pour over. And then you take the pour over out of your mug with the coffee in it and put it in the compost. And you've made yourself a fresh pour over coffee anywhere. It's called the Traveler. I love this. I travel quite a bit. And sometimes I'm in places that do not have a proper like coffee machine or anything like that. And being able to have something like this, I'm like, oh, I get it. And also just, you know, not even traveling, you know, at home, definitely see the value in this. And it's very on brand for everything that you're doing. And I can't wait to see this continue to grow here. I think there's a lot of opportunity with that. And uh, just something that people people need where did you like see this overseas and you wanted to bring this here or were you like struggling with this yourself and then started looking for solutions and you were like oh there's a solution like how did that come yeah yeah my brother actually found it at a food show in new york years ago and then we kind of chased it down from there yeah it's really cool and one of the leading things is that so a pour over coffee is not like a pod system coffee because it's delicious (laughs) exactly and we also, we fine-tuned it. So we, there's more coffee in this pour-over than, than is in most of the pod systems that are in the market. And for a pod system, you need a fancy machine. And, the, and you know, the barcode doesn't make it better. This is all about simple. You don't need anything but a cup to hang it on and water to pour over it. And so, yeah, I, I just see unending applications for consumers to have a simple, delicious coffee. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Talk to me about... Okay, you've been in the business for 10 years, you've gone lots of different ways, and it's been growing. Um, And when I mean lots of different ways, you're like continuously evolving and growing and getting feedback and changing pieces along the way. For anyone who is maybe thinking about creating a business, because they want to create the life that they want, and they want to live a life where they can enjoy wake up 10 years from now and love what they're doing more than when they first started. What advice would you have for someone in those early stages? Well, the business plan, as boring as some people find them to be, is everything in the beginning. Because you need to work out the numbers. Like, is this realistic? Is the market really there for this product? You know, what is the sweet spot? How much do we have to sell to make this successful and sustainable? How much do I need this to generate to live off of? Like, don't quit your day job just because you start something. When they say it takes three to five years, they're not kidding. And it took us even longer than that. And then the other piece, once you get things in motion, is cash flow. You have to be vigilant. You can sell and sell and sell. But if you don't have that money in, say, traditional B2B environments, uh, you can sell yourself right out of business. (laughs) (laughs) And then you also have to be able to deliver. So if you're a small manufacturer or processor, you know your limits and stay within it. And sometimes you got to just act small and, and stay small and be small. And that's small is also really, it resonates with the consumer too, but you also don't have to stay small. You don't have to be small. So in other words, to have a limited market access and to sell in limited, limited fashion, higher margin, say at your local farmer's markets or, or retailers from your own establishment, super groovy. But if you're going to get into B2B sales, you start to play with the big, the big boys and you have to make sure that you're ready. 
Mm. That's really good advice. I think sometimes people want to get really big and forget to see the benefits of being small, like what you talked about at the beginning phases, you're at the markets getting feedback from people. That's so invaluable to know that information, to build those connections and to like grow gradually with it and have uh, making sure that you have the cash flow and everything to really grow. Sometimes it can be really easy to just get excited and caught up in what you're doing. Yeah, for sure. And because we are not, our ingredients are only coffee and right. nothing else. Yeah, We uh, have been doing a lot of work over the years to optimize our coffees that we're buying. And so building relationship with where they're coming from, understanding what makes a good coffee. We buy only specialty coffees. Specialty coffees are scored out of 100 points. Mm. 80 points and up is a specialty coffee. We're buying 84 and up now coffees and so we're and we're very proud to say you know this ethiopian is a cooperative lot and it's a it's an 87 point coffee and it tastes like green tea lemon and honey and it's from the yurkachev region and we have you know an ethia or we have a nicaraguan uh, farm lot right now and it's uh, very creamy and raw sugar like and we have a lot from colombia and it's very vanilla and honey sweet and sweet mm. we have another one from cooperative lot from Burundi, and it's very complex and, and vibrant acidity. And so that's become a really important important piece as a differentiator in the marketplace, where our coffees are are excellent in and of themselves, and then our 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 job is roasting them, and that's our signature on the coffee. And so all that collectively then creates a very unique proprietary product, which allows us the liberty to charge appropriately for it. Makes sense. I love the coffee industry and love fresh coffee. As you you know, I used to run a coffee company myself yeah. and it was being able to distinguish those notes and communicate those notes with people that just get it and love it. It makes the world of a difference of the cup that you are enjoying. Which brings me to my final, very serious, very important question I have for you. What is your favorite blend that you have uh, right now that you're enjoying that you guys offer that if someone wanted to, they could go and grab it from the website right now if they wanted? Oh, uh, well, we're not big on blending. We have a few uh, constant skews that have been well-loved for a lot of years, uh, like our house blends and uh, an espresso blend. But uh, we get... Uh, really excited about roasting coffees also just um, as they are uh, and with the name of the farm and where it comes from. So you could taste what coffee is like from this farm in Nicaragua or Honduras or Papua New Guinea, or we have some from uh, Yunnan in China or Costa Rica or Panama or et cetera. And that's uh, variety is a spice of life for us. So we really push our customers to, to not get stuck on one, but to, to, to love different ones. So on our website, coastalcoffee.ca, we have a selection of coffees. We are just getting, we're still getting fresh crop in from Central South America. We have a two farm lots from Guatemala that are still coming in. And so we're sold out of Guatemalans right now. And we have a female producer lot from Honduras that's coming in also. But yeah, one of our flagship coffees, to answer your question, is from Colombia, is uh, Chalo's Colombian Coffee. And you can see, um, learn more about uh, their story on our website. And uh, we've been to their farm a few times, and it's become a very dynamic relationship. And we're very excited and proud to work as roaster partners for uh, Chalo's Coffee. 
here in Canada. Is that what you are sipping on most mornings? Yes. Got it. Got it. Amazing. Cool. Ben, thank you so much for sharing your journey of everything that Coastal Coffee has been through over the last 10 years. And as you guys continue to grow, excited to see that as you have continued to expand your team, expand your expertise, and just expand where the brand can go as a whole. Congratulations on the recent listing at Metro. I cannot wait to be able to pick you up while I'm in Canada and (laughs) uh, get myself some delicious coffee from Coastal Coffee. Thank you. And thank you for doing what you do. It's very um, uh, inspiring to, to hear the voice of other founders in the, in the food sector and to be able to hear their, their stories and journeys too, because it, it's a ride, you know, the <laughs> highest highs and the lowest lows and uh, food can be tough yeah. to sell. You know, the margins are not always what people assume. And so you, you got to really want it. You got to love it. And so that's why we're doing coffee. We love it. Absolutely. I love that. And yeah, the more we can share the journey, the easier hopefully we can make it for other people along the way, right? So thank you you for sharing your journey and, you know, paying it forward to the fabulous food founder community out there. Thank you. That's it for this week, food friend. Thanks for tuning in. If the show helped you in any way, please go ahead and leave a rating or review of the show below. I also want to thank our sponsor one more time, the Food Brands That Sell program, the program to transform how you navigate the CPG industry and ultimately sets you up for success within it. Go ahead and get yourself on the waitlist using the link below, or you can put yourself on the waitlist at foodbrands.sellwaitlist.com. Catch you next time, food friend.